0: Forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content.
1: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ,
0: There are a handful of missing people whose names are instantly recognisable, even if the details of the case might be a little more hazy. Cases such as Susie Lamplu or Andrew Gosden, which we've covered already in the series. There's no hard and fast rule as to which cases become familiar to us. Missing children like Madeleine McCann can attract the headlines. Other cases simply resonate, And if you're old enough, they take you back to the time and place where you first heard about them. The disappearance of Damien Nettles is one such case. It's a story which has been investigated in documentaries. It's been written about hundreds, if not thousands, of times in the press. There's even a book, written by Damien's mum, about the case and the toll his disappearance has had on her. And yet, despite all this attention the case of Damien Nettles remains unsolved. And it's a certainty that some people listening won't know a thing about it. So for that reason, Damien's mum, Valerie, refuses to give up.
2: I always will be searching my, my, my heart, my soul. I'm searching through old information, always looking for something like the piece of the puzzle. I'll never stop doing that. I'll never stop.
0: I'm Pandora Sykes, and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series brought to you with support from the charity Missing People and investigation specialists Locate International. They've joined together to bring you 20 real stories of long-term missing people, each one they believe could still be solved. This is The Missing, Damian Nettles. Across this series, we've repeatedly come back to the idea of home. We've heard about people disappearing from home, pleas for people to return home. Home is often the place where our stories start. And it's also the place which keenly feels the absence of our missing person. Home is also the place which often holds the most clues about a person's disappearance. And that's never been truer than in this case. Damien Nettles was born in Singapore, but grew up moving around, including to the States. But the family eventually settled in Cowes, a seaport town on the Isle of Wight in 1990 when Damien was 10. Island life is unique in many ways. It can be insular and inward facing. Everyone knows everyone's business. It can be both oppressive and liberating to know the streets and shortcuts like the back of your hand. For Damien, a non-native with a funny accent, it took him a while to be accepted.
2: He just wanted to make friends. I mean, we moved to the Isle of Wight when he was um, in middle school I think I think settling into the middle school he maybe over overdid his need to want to connect with people and probably clowned around a bit more trying to make friends. It didn't always go down well with his teachers but I don't think anybody disliked Damien. I think everybody just said now Damien settle down you know calm down pay attention. I remember Damien's teacher at the middle school telling him to stop speaking with that bony accent and then saying things like, oh, well, we don't do things like that here in England. So, you know, it it was just very judgmental and almost, you know, he, and I think my children had to deal with an element of, of, um, you know, people would kind of maybe turn their noses up because they were the American kids. And they tried to do trick-or-treating and people would say, we don't want that American rubbish over here and slam the door in their face.
0: But time allowed Damien to settle and make friends. As he progressed through school, he focused on his future and had his heart set on studying psychology at A-level. He'd helped his older sister study for A-level exams the previous year. And he was hooked on the subject of psychology. But his current school in Cowes didn't offer that class, so Damien made the decision to transfer to Carisbrook High School in Newport, a bus ride away.
2: I thought that was a very brave decision of him because, um, at that age, leaving the kids he'd been at school with, you know, for the last several years and made bonded with. Um, and going off to the other school. And you know there's always school rivalries wherever you go. Um, So off he went, and I think it was a bit bumpy at first, settling into the school. And So he was getting his head in gear to want to buckle down and go to university. That was his goal. So I didn't see anything there that was troubling at all. But despite Damien's
0: perseverance, there was one incident which sticks out in Valerie's mind, which she's never been able to shake. Something which makes her think his experience on the Isle of Wight might have been more troublesome than she'd realised. Damien had begged his mum to be allowed to a party one night. It was the house of one of his new peers, and he wanted to hang out with them properly, confident that if they got to know him, it would pave the way for friendship and an easier time at school. But that's not what happened.
2: While he was there, um, the boys that were there kind of picked on him. And um, while he was asleep, they they drew on him with um, markers and um, spray painted at him. And so he had a really bad experience. He had gone to this party hoping to be making friends. And that it turned out to be the worst experience of his life.
0: When Valerie picked Damien up and found out what had happened, she was horrified, heartbroken for her son. She wanted to speak to the school or contact the culprit's parents, but Damien wouldn't let her. He didn't want to make a fuss, and true to his character, he picked himself up and put on a brave face for school the following week.
2: I thought that showed some strength of character to overlook the stupidity and put himself back in the middle of them.
0: And things did improve for Damien. With the summer stretching out before him, before the start of his A-levels the next school term, he decided to get a job at a holiday park called The Pines. And it was at The Pines where Damien seemed to find his tribe, something which his mum
2: felt increasingly torn about. Lots of kids in the village had had you know summer jobs there so I know while he was there he met um, some people that were visiting on holiday and he he had a crush on on one of the girls that had come to stay at the holiday park with her family and he got to know some other people there who I wasn't quite sure about but he was 16 and I just thought well I can't forever mollycoddle him and and direct who his friends should be
0: Crush blossomed into a full blown relationship in the form of Damien's first girlfriend. He would regularly make the ferry crossing and three hour drive to Suffolk to see her, and he did so later that summer, determined to spend as much time as possible with her before going back to school. But after a week, Damien headed home, making the last minute decision to stop off and see his sister, Sarah, in Portsmouth, where she'd just started university. But the day after Damien's arrival, Sarah had plans and asked her mum to intervene, not wanting to hurt her brother's feelings.
2: Sarah had asked me if I would mind telling him. She said, I really can't afford to keep him here another night because, you know, we were going somewhere and I can't buy a ticket and da-da-da. So I ended up saying, well, it is time he came home. So, you know, I asked him to come home. But he was quite happy to do so. I mean, he wasn't thrilled at having to leave, but, um, you know, he understood, I think, and, and came home, and then that was the next night.
0: That weekend, Damien wanted to go and see his friends. He hadn't seen them in over a week. He said goodbye to his mum and asked if he could stay out until midnight. Despite her reservations, she agreed.
2: I did say, don't be late, and he said, OK, Mum, see you later, and off he went. And my husband dropped him off at his friend's, Chris's house in in Cowes. And that was the last time I saw Damien. It wasn't until the family awoke,
0: and Damien's nine-year-old sister, Melissa, raised the alarm that he wasn't in his bed, and it didn't look like it had been slept in. Valerie didn't bat an eyelid. Damien often stayed over at a friend's house.
2: I just I just like oh okay well he's probably stayed at Chris's house and I, I left it till you know reasonably late on a Saturday uh, a Sunday morning before I started to phone people up and I did call Christopher who said no I haven't seen him since last night we left about I left town about ten thirty, so I thought well that's weird because where would he be
0: Valerie called everyone she could think of. From snippets of information from his friends, nothing more than vague rememberings and possibilities at that stage, the Nettles began to piece together Damien's movements.
2: So off I went, down to the local police station, knocked on the door and nobody came. So finally I called the little phone outside and got in touch with the Newport police station. They brought me in and had me fill out a statement and just kind of... Bobbed me off with, oh, all boys do this sort of thing, Mrs Nettles, he'll be home before tea time.
0: But he wasn't. 24 hours since Damien had left to go to the party, and he still hadn't come home.
2: I was panicked. I was, it, it you, you're surreal. It's if, you, if you've ever been as a parent in a supermarket and lost sight of your child, for a couple of minutes and you just, you know, they've run off around the corner and you can't find them. And you get that, I, I describe it as a rising tide of panic. You know, your stomach is just in your chest. We drove round in circles. Uh, that night, my husband and my father and my younger son, James, got their flashlights out and went combing um, up and down um, the seafront, there, there was a shortcut from the seafront up to the middle school that sometimes the kids would take that shortcut to climb back up towards where we live. And I thought, well, maybe he's there. You know, my first thought was he's he's fallen down, he's hurt himself, he's lying out there, and this, it was wet, rainy, you know, gale force winds, and it was nasty weather. And uh, I thought, he's lying out there somewhere, probably broken his leg. We need to go find him.
0: Valerie asked police to search along this route, but they claimed it was too dark and wet. The dogs wouldn't be able to pick up the scent due to the rain. Those first denied requests were the start of a battle between the nettles and cows police station over what action should be taken.
2: It's like well where do I go? What do I do? Where do I start? You know, what can I how can I how can I begin to know what to do? There was no instructions came with this situation. And the police weren't very interested. You know, if I called the police, they'd said to me, he was like, no, Mrs. Nettles, we've not heard anything, uh, but do you have anything to tell us? And I, at first I was like nonplussed, and I, I just had no idea what that was about. And I asked, on the day I reported him missing that night, I said, can you get the spotter plane out? And can you get the dogs out? And I was told the spotter plane was broken, not available, and the dogs, well, it was too late. It's been raining, and any scent would have been washed away. So, you know, I hit a brick wall. And like I say, I I was told at one point I was not helping my son's case by keep calling up. And, And I don't know what they expect from a mother whose son's just vanished off the face of the earth.
0: At first light, Valerie went to the harbour and asked about the sea the night before. Had it been rough or stormy? If Damien had fallen in, could he have been swept away? But the harbour master confirmed that anything which had fallen in would have been brought back by the tides. The family's next hope was CCTV. There's a number of cameras along Cowes High Street. And sure enough, one revealed Damien standing outside Yorkie's chip shop at two minutes past midnight.
2: And he didn't look like he was worried about anything. He, he was just walking along eating chips.
0: There were also some other people captured in the CCTV that night, who fleetingly were seen to be talking to Damien. Could they have known where he went? There was never any suggestion that these men were involved in Damien's disappearance.
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: Police suggested they be able to track Damien's movements from outside the fish and chip shop by getting footage from the adjacent cameras. An officer was dispatched to the island's council, where all the VCR tapes of security footage were stored. That officer said he'd found something, so the police rushed off to the council offices.
2: When we got there, we realised they'd been tracking the wrong person. It wasn't Damien.
0: But could that tape be examined now, with the benefit of fresh eyes and fresh technology?
2: The council said that they signed it out in a book to the police and that they took it away. The police told me they had it and that they were going to send it to Netley which is just up Southampton waters. And it's, a, it's one of the places where they have forensics and they were going to re, redo the tape or rehash it or look at it. And anyway, after that, they said, oh no, we've lost it. So it disappeared. And we can no longer go back and look at that at all. So that was that.
0: Other than the one sighting of Damien outside the chip shop, there was no other clues as to where he went. It was like a magic trick. Damien was there one minute, and gone the next. People going missing in a large city or a crowded street, able to weave in amongst throngs of people and buildings anonymously makes sense. But a teenage boy, on a small island, disappearing without a trace,
2: feels particularly unusual. Everybody knows everybody's business. Somebody usually knows something. And nobody remembers seeing him after that point. Up until that point, everybody said, "Oh yeah, I remember seeing him," but after that, nobody saw him. And so he was on the high street. The only way he could have gone is up one of the side streets towards where he might start walking home. And um, but it's still very strange that there's it suddenly went radio silence at that point.
0: So what did happen to Damien? Where did he go? And who did he go with? And with the absence of police help, what could his family do?
2: The world just becomes surreal. And it was like that for a long time. It, I was just in a panic. What we did do, friends of ours, the, my son's um, friends' parents gathered together. They made posters of Damien and they put them up all through cows. And his friends, they, they did a massive search probably about a week the week later um through cows in all of the f- different places that kids hang out and hide or you know know about and um it was was not then till it was on the television actually the tv crew was there taking photos that i noticed police had been there in the background um batting bushes with sticks so um you know, I guess they were doing something along, along with our search because I'd heard nothing about that until then. And very
0: little since. Despite the allocation of a family liaison officer, ever since day one, the Nettles family have had to play detective themselves to try and separate rumour from reality. Of course, Valerie has confronted the possibility that Damien might have run away but he had plans for his future, hopes and dreams, which make that theory feel less likely.
2: He, he got his head screwed on after sort of like dawdling through, through the high school and his GCSEs. He suddenly got fixed in his head that he wanted to do the A-levels and he wanted to pursue uh, going to university. And unlike so many other
0: runaways, Damien's relationship with his family was solid.
2: I got along fine with him. Um, I obviously had to tell him when he was wrong and and he wasn't always perfect and he was a teenager. But um, for the most part, he was quite a good boy.
0: So that, predictably, leaves the possibility of foul play.
2: I've heard various things. He was chopped up and fed to pigs. That he's been buried in Parkhurst Forest. That he was taken on a on a fishing boat out to the middle of the channel and thrown in, um, that he was chopped up and put in lobster pots. Those are the things that I have, you know, in my head. Um, all of those options. So, but I, I feel like the most, maybe the most likely one is that something happened with people that night that that went wrong.
0: Over the years following Damien's disappearance, certain names have come in and out of frame. And for Valerie, it's hard to go beyond the old adage, there's no smoke without fire.
2: Have you looked at this person? Have you looked at that person? And when you look at this closely, it it all revolves back to the same group. Now whether that's because of Chinese whispers and it's become an urban legend and it's all regurgitated but slightly, you know, embellished, Um, or whether there's a fragment of truth in there, I don't know.
0: And one name in particular, the name of a local drug dealer, came up time and time again, with witnesses even testifying to police about his involvement in Damien's disappearance. It's not something any parent wants to hear, but it's forced Valerie to confront the fact that her son might have been involved with drugs.
2: I'd never considered that in the past for Damien, but the more and more that that came up and up, and they they said that Damien had been calling up at a flat that night, drawing attention to the fact that there were drug dealers up there. And one of them, um, according to the statement given by someone that was there in that that flat at the time, was very angry and um, livid with Damien um, because he was drawing attention, I suppose, to what they were up there doing.
0: Valerie isn't naive about a teenage boy's propensity to be drawn to drugs, and she had previously discovered that Damien was smoking marijuana.
2: I I, I only found a very tiny, tiny bit once on him, and it was in a tiny tin, and it had stuff in it, which we found out was, was marijuana, and we asked him about it, and he was like very, um, oh, um, well, yes, but you know, it's just this one time, you know, sort of thing. And so we had that conversation with him about, you know, not doing it, but 16 years old, a lot of his friends were. And um, so it's not, it's not unheard of, you know, that kids experiment with that. So assume that, but nothing more. I never thought of him doing anything more.
0: It's rare for parents to know everything about their children. And years later, Damien's sister Sarah revealed that his interest in drugs didn't necessarily stop with marijuana.
2: Sarah didn't do drugs, but, you know, um, they did talk about it. And he did say that he was wondering what it would be like to take something stronger. And whether he ever did, I don't know. She didn't know. The alleged drug dealer in
0: question died in 2002. And at this point, the island rumour mill went into overdrive. All of a sudden, everyone believed he'd been involved in Damien's disappearance and the police began to take note.
2: That was about the time that, that name started to take off like wildfire in terms of people giving that name to the police and saying that, you know, this person was probably, you know, need to be looked at. So it kind of snowballed and, and it became this... I think the police just had to, to look at it and they couldn't make anything stick.
0: Damien's case was upscaled to a possible suspected murder at that point. But with no forward movement, it's now back to being a missing case. Recently, another discovery came to light, which has horrified the Nettles. Someone got in touch with Valerie on Facebook and told her to look at a discussion thread on the social media site.
2: Somebody had put a picture and said, What 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 do you think these are? And it was it was a hand holding bone fragments and a tooth attached.
0: The comments below revealed that the bones had been found in a little known alleyway at the bottom of an old lady's garden. The police had been called, but three days later had still not come to investigate. Using the hive mind and amateur sleuthing of the internet. Valerie gleaned some
2: information about the bones. They had been cut with a very sharp object, and the people that I know on the Isle of Wight did some homework, and they said, well, those houses were built in 59. There was an elderly lady who lived there till the new people came in in 2009, and she was um, disabled, so didn't go do her garden or anything.
0: The police department and independent experts eventually confirmed the bones were animal bones. But then, another
2: twist. And one of the rumours was that Damien was put into a sail bag, you know, these big, huge bags that they wrap up the sails for yachts. And they usually have a logo on that of the boat itself, of the yacht. And um, they they ended up pulling this huge bag out of that hole. Shortly afterwards, they found, in the same hole, they found um, not just that big canvas bag, but they found a belt buckle, and um, I think it was a 2P, um, dated 1980. The house was built in 59, so it's unlikely it fell in by a builder. The old lady didn't have any work done that, that people were able to recall that lived there, and a button that looked like something off like a denim shirt or denim jeans, um, which set off alarm bells in my head.
0: The button, the buckle, the bag, surely it added up to something. But with experts dismissing the bones, it feels like another promising lead cut short too soon.
2: So that's that's another one of those mysteries, another one of those things that will remain on the table. And friends of mine on the Isle of Wight were able to um, speak to the person and go to the house and secure the box and take it well I don't know if they've taken it away yet but um, the police don't want it so they're going to keep it just to see if anything else is brought out of that that hole so I've I've heard no more about it Um, I can't make a fuss about it there's nothing I can do there's nowhere I can go with that
0: Despite being despondent Valerie's friends and family continue to take action Whenever they have any spare time, they go to Gernard and look for a potential burial site. The area used to be a bottle mine, as well as a fly-tipping area for locals. Valerie grew up in the area and remembers people throwing dishwashers and washing machines, anything they didn't want, in there.
2: You would never know, but underneath there, if you start digging, there's concrete, tarmac, metal, and uh, like I say, there's even a car buried in there. So that's not an easy area for any anybody that has the expertise to go in and decide where to start looking, you know, for a body and the thing is, I think you have to be realistic, if it if it was an accident and and Damien was you know, buried, they would have either thrown him in there to get rid of him, or done a shallow grave The
0: Nettles no longer live on the Isle of Wight they couldn't escape the memories or the feeling that their neighbours might know more than they'd been letting on they will never stop appealing for more information, which could lead them closer to answers about Damien.
2: If you don't want to go to the police, um, you could go to Locate International. Locate are currently reviewing Damien's case um, as an extra set of eyes uh, to see if there's anything there that could have been looked at. There are Facebook groups for Damien, Justice for Damien. That's also another possibility. We have a uh, a page for Damien, the boy that disappeared.
0: 24 years have gone by since the night of Damien's disappearance, but he is still in the hearts and minds of the people who love him. And Valerie is sometimes reminded not to give up on the idea that one day Damien might come home.
2: I don't very often dream about Damien, but I did have a dream um, this past week. He walked in the door, and I think he was with my my husband and my son or my nephew's nieces, somebody in the family. And he just stood there, and I I remember thinking, I've got to go over there and hold him. I've got to go hug him. Anyway, and it was just, it was wonderful because he stood there, but he was 16, not 40, as he would be. And um, like I say, I don't get those dreams very often. I've had two really vivid ones like that where we found him. But no, I won't. I won't give up. Well, Damien is a part of me. He's my child. He's a missing link in our family. He's not a lost puppy. Um, I can't. I can't forget him. I can't leave him. I can't pretend. You know, life is going to be better or different if I stop looking for him. So. I'm not going to stop looking. I can't stop looking. He's my child. Um, We all miss him. We all love him. And he deserves to be found, in whatever way that is.
0: Now Locate International have assigned a team of criminology students to pore over the details of the case. And they're looking at whether any opportunities might exist for further investigation. Locate will pass on any information they get to the police. They're acting as an additional resource, who have the time and manpower to go over everything with a fresh pair of eyes. And they want you, the listener at home, to bring any information forward that you have. We've put the details of this case on our website, themissingpodcast.org. On there you'll find images and details, not just for this case, but for every case we featured on the show. There's also links where you can share vital information on these cases with the experts at Locate International. They've set up a team to investigate these cases and explore any information that comes in. And you'll find more information about the charity, Missing People, who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. We can't say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis.